Now, what would be the odds that that was happening again, that that wasn't a new report? Was that a new report or an old report? That's what I'm asking. Is it a new report or an old report? Is that a new report? Well, we don't know. When a seasoned sports fan teams up with a millennial, opinions may vary, but the debates assuredly won't disappoint. Check your sources. It's New Report, Old Report. Here's your hosts, John Lund and Al Renato. Well, Al, another exciting week in athletics. We've crowned a national champion in college football, to no surprise. Who would have thought the NFL playoffs, if you look at them like the Major League playoffs, finally get underway officially this upcoming weekend with the divisional rounds kicking off a blockbuster trade in the National Basketball Association that we have to get into as two teammates reunite. Whether or not that's going to be good for both those teammates, we'll try and figure out. But we might as well start with the winner who had their season come to an end as college football closed the curtain on its 2020-21 season. Something that a lot of people thought wouldn't reach its end, especially in the summer months when it was just trying to get off the ground. It was up in the air whether or not we'd have a college football season, who would participate in said college football season. Through high and through low, we made it. We got to the end of the line with Alabama and Ohio State as the last two teams standing. And to not much surprise and to some chalk when it comes to the national championship game, Alabama with another blowout victory over Ohio State representing the Big Ten, who brought football back, I guess, unfortunately for this, another national championship in the pocket of Nick Saban. It pretty much went according to plan for how it's gone for Alabama. Whenever they're in this opportunity, 52 to 24, not close in the second half, the Heisman winner with more offensive yards by himself than the entire Buckeyes offense in the first half. It was a beatdown, and you could see that in the ratings. This was the lowest rated national championship since this started with the college football playoff. The semi games got more viewers than that one did when it comes to Alabama and Nick Saban taking a step back and looking at what they were able to do. It's not much of a surprise. I'm assuming that you as well were not surprised at the end result of this game. Well, hello, Johnny, and and, uh, hope all our listeners and friends are doing well tonight as we uh, are only a week away from a new era at last as we battle through this virus and start the new year. And we start the new year with yet another Alabama national title from clearly, if not the greatest, one of the handful of greatest NCAA football coaches in the history of the sport. Uh, Nick Saban has went back to, not went back, but went to Alabama to reestablish Alabama's national power. And it was about the process and the culture. And he has taken a mainstay of NCAA college football greatness, uh, started by Bear Bryant and continued on by Gene Stallings. And 
taken it to a level which I don't think anyone, even Alabama fans, could have imagined. What they put on the field was so superior to a very talented Ohio State team, but an Ohio State team that after a good early start just couldn't continue the fight. It takes a massive effort to play 60 minutes of football at the level that Alabama plays and to defend them for 60 minutes. LSU was able to do it last year because LSU was a fabulous football team. The game of the century, which we like to always say, would be last year's LSU offense against this year's Alabama offense. It would be a sight to behold. I think that LSU team was a little better because I think their defense was more talented than this Alabama defense. But this was a wonderful team, uh, an incredible offense, a quarterback who stood back and waited his turn. Remember, this quarterback went to Alabama when Tua and Jalen Hurts were already there and or committed and waited his turn. Last year was his, would have been another season on the bench until Tua got hurt. And when he had his opportunity, he played very well. And this year, almost won the Heisman. He'll be a, some even think a first-round draft pick. I don't, but he can certainly throw the football. He shows great maturity. He shows great leadership. He's a great toughness. I love the way he came back from the early fumble. And look, he's got a brilliant crew. His Heisman Trophy winner wide receiver is a wonderful football player. Some say the best they've ever seen. I'm not going to go that far. But playing as good as you're ever going to see anybody play, as I love to toot my own horn, as I said last year, when they talked about Ruggs, they talked about Jerry Judy, the two first-round picks, I said the two guys who are staying at Alabama are better than the two guys who are going to the NFL. And I still believe that. I think the Heisman Trophy winner is a better player. And I think Jalen Waddell, who we didn't get to see, unfortunately, except a few glimpses and Every time we need to limp off the field, is a superior player. And there's no knock on the two guys who are in the NFL. Ruggs and uh, Jerry Judy were terrific college players. They had good rookie years. Alabama has now become wide receiver U. What we saw was just a continuation of a brilliant program. Great play calling by Steve Sarkisian, uh, the new Texas head coach. Brilliantly designed offense, uh, excuse me, brilliantly designed offense, getting his best player the ball in as many conceivable ways as you could come up with. Had him in motion a ton, got him in isolations, and he just runs away from these guys. These are top flight athletes in Ohio State who he just blows by them. And it's nice to see a guy run routes, not just go down and sit down in his own. You see a guy, old school jukes, you see plants and cuts, wonderful hands, great leaping ability, great body control, an absolutely brilliant player. And Ohio State hung tough for a little while, and they moved to football, but their best running back goes down early. And as well as their star quarterback played in the semis, he was as average in this game as he was great in the semis. His draft stock rose in the semis. I think his draft stock probably went down a little bit in the finals. Alabama, clearly the best team in a year where, unlike others, 
I don't think we had anybody else who could really make an argument that they were in the same class. Last year, there were arguments. There were people saying, you know, well, Ohio State and Clemson are, are better than LSU. They were dead wrong. Absolutely dead wrong. That LSU team, as I said to you many, many times, during that season, as they got better and better, and throughout the season, at the end of the season, had as great a year as any team I've ever seen. And maybe the second greatest team for one single season that I've ever seen. As good as this Alabama team is, I don't think they were that good. They were terrific. I should say that great. They were terrific. But not to the level last year's LSU team. But a great year, a great season. But not the kind of competition that we saw LSU beat last year when they beat Alabama with Tua, when they beat Clemson, right? Uh, when they rolled over Clemson, when they rolled over Oklahoma, when they rolled through the SEC. Remember, that Florida team put up over 40 points in the SEC title game against Alabama. So best team, no doubt about it. I don't think we ever had a doubt. I actually thought if Ohio State played to the caliber, I think we said last week, if Ohio State could run the football, and they were able to run it early. But they weren't able to you know, continue at that level offensively. And then once they got behind by a couple scores, you know, Alabama becomes that snowball going downhill. And they could no longer really run the football with great success. And you could turn your sets off. Uh, about midway through the third quarter. If you're Ohio team, State, it's disappointing. Right? Uh, you know, if, if I, I don't know if you're, I don't know how disappointed you can be for Ohio, if you're Ohio State. You said, you know, we got there. It, they didn't know they were going to ever start. They, their season didn't start. Right. And out of nowhere, they wound up playing for the national title. So, you know, a few weeks back, we were talking about they're going to have enough games to play in the, you know, the, big, ten, you know, the big Ten title game. They pulled that off. And in a lackluster Big Ten title game, they get the win. And then they go in and they get into the semis and they play terrific. And they beat the hell out of Clemson. They're clearly the better team. But you know, they got their comeuppance. They won the game they they thought they were disrespected for and wanted so badly to win. And then they got their heads handed to them by clearly a better team. And a team who played a full schedule and a team who was a clear, unequivocal national champion. It was utter dominance. And people in the sports media tried to be a little cute with their pick. Take the points, take the nine, take Ohio State early in the first half, dabble a little bit with the money line. And I don't know if that's just being cute because you want to go against the grain or if for some reason maybe they thought that Ohio State would have the same performance that they did against Clemson. What this somewhat showed us is what we thought going into the Clemson game because they didn't play a full schedule because they only played six games. We don't really know who this team is. We're not sure if they're going to be dominant. We're not sure if we're going to see these poor second half performances from Justin Fields sometimes. And what do we know about the running game? It didn't come on too late. Is that just getting hot at the right time or is it actually good? We still had a lot of unanswered questions, but I think the Clemson game sort of pushed all those under the rug for people. And they thought, well, this is obviously who the Ohio state Buckeyes are. 
This is who Ryan day is. This is the team that they put together and they're going to go out against Alabama and give them a run for their money. And part of us thought that they would at least be able to put up some offensive numbers against Alabama's defense, which isn't in any way a conversation for how good it is of all time compared to how the offense is, but the offense looked like trash. I don't know whether it was the play calling, and this is probably all a mixture of a, of both, of all three, really. The play calling from Ryan Day and co. Losing Trey Sermon literally after his first run of the game. He's gone for the rest of it. You bring in Master T, who came back and didn't play against Clemson, and he proved a spark early, but didn't really find his footing for the rest of the game, or couldn't because the score was out of hand. And Justin Fields was eh. And whether that's still dealing with the injury against Clemson, probably could, could be. be. Could we don't be. know. Gotta, I mean, gotta give him the benefit of the doubt. He, he played a great football game, and he played with the injury and finished that game. And it it clearly was not the same offense throwing the football. They had some good moments, but the best part of their offense was running the football. Right. Without a doubt, you know, without a doubt. Uh, he, he didn't look nearly as accurate. He didn't look nearly as comfortable. And again, they were able to run the football for a while. But once they did a better job defending against the run, they just did not have enough to match Alabama's firepower. You, know, you, you basically have to be ready to score a minimum half of your possessions if not more, and if you don't, with the possessions you don't score on, you can't afford three and outs against them. You need to at least keep them off the field if for a while if you don't score. And they weren't able to do that. Well, it was, it was a varsity playing JV looking game after it became 14-14. It was like a switch got flipped in that stadium. And it was all Alabama the rest of the way. I mean, for the Ohio State defense coming in, we discussed this on the show. Who are you going to try to stop? Are you going to send pressure and maybe try to get Mac Jones not feeling it? Are you going to put eight in the box and try to stop Najee Harris? Or are you going to put a couple guys on Devontae Smith and see if you could stop him? And I don't know what the answer is to any of those questions because all three excelled. You could say Najee Harris had the, the worst of the games, only running for 79 yards. He had two touchdowns, incredible runs getting into the end zone. But to have Devontae Smith, who everybody in the building knows is going to get the football, you have a guy that's coming back from ankle surgery, literally waddling off the field when he's done with some of his plays and you let Devontae Smith go off for 215 yards and three touchdowns in the first half. As we yell in basketball, put a body on him, man. Get a couple guys out there. It was incredible to see both from what he does playing football when everyone knew he was going to be the guy still be able to do it. 12 receptions. They just kept feeding the guy and he was wide open the majority of the time. If you're Ohio state, I mean, for shame. And I say all this because we don't need to spend a ton of time on Ohio state, Alabama, because it really went how we expected it to do the over under for the game. Al. Well, let's put it this way. Why don't you take a guess the final total for the 
Ohio State and Alabama national championship game was 76 points. I'm going to say uh, the back on that was 70 and a half. The over-under was 75, Al. Wow. 75. And you know who took the under? This guy. This guy. And you know what? They are amazing. They scored the 76 with the extra point with around 13 minutes to go. Now, if you're going to break 75 points, at least rub my face in the mud with it. <laughs> you know, if you're going to do it, throw up 88 points. How do you not score again? 90 plus points. Can somebody score again? Nobody so scores sleep? again. Now, I know Alabama's going to start running the football, but Ohio State's still trying. Can I get a garbage touchdown just so I can sleep well? I live or, bet or at Ohio least not State. Be up all night. Ohio State, live bet, plus 21. The original spread was nine. They're not going to lose by three touchdowns. So they're down 28. I'm looking for just a push. Get me to the 21. And on their last possession, what does Ohio State do? I know it's fourth and 15 or whatever it was. They punt the ball back to Alabama, and they end up just running out the rest of the clock. Could be worse. You could be Mike Tomlin. Everybody has the nerve on the broadcast to say, look at Justin Fields out there, giving it his all, even with the score as it is. Look at Ohio State still trying. First of all, the broadcast is barely listenable. I have lost a lot of love for Chris Fowler and Kirk Herbstreit. How many times does the offensive lineman have to be laying on the ground? Kirk defense another defensive lineman down. Kirk, they have the ball. Right. They have the ball. Guy on the field plays for the team who's got the ball. It's not a defensive lineman. You know, COVID Kirk is just not, not, not fully recovered yet, I guess. And Fowler, I mean, I'm watching the game with Justin, and they had that breakthrough in the intro where they were standing up, and Justin says, they need to go to a break. <laughs> they need to go to a break here. I mean, they were feeling stupid, bumping, how Fowler's waving his out. They look so uncomfortable standing up. Sit down at least. Sit down. You mean you why weren't? You standing, why are you standing up? You weren't looking at the mega casts. You're not a mega cast guy oh, with the nine other ways you could have watched the game. Those days are so <laughs> gone. I have been there, done that, and they are just unwatchable. Enough already. Goodness gracious! As as the the one of the two greatest in the history of sports talk radio. Would say, can we let the game breathe a little, please? Folks, I can see. Can we let the game breathe, please? Take a breath. All I have to say is there's five star and four star defensive players on that Ohio State team. You couldn't have got me one more stop. Ryan day, you can't draw up some trick play or something on a fourth and 15 to try and at least get a first down on your last possession. You punt. What the hell are you doing? It's the national championship. I understand. And you do too. Everybody does who played sports when a game is over. Basically the game is out of hand. You know, it's not going to go in your favor. They start mercy ruling in the substitutes, but this is the national championship. Or for last week, it's the semifinals. It's lose and go home. This isn't week 15. Okay, we don't want anyone to get well, hurt. We'll put the in the goal. May, the, the, you have to remember, the, what may have gone up on the chalkboard in the locker room is you know, keep them under 60. So 
the goal may have been not to give a field position there, short field. Next thing you know, they're hanging 60 on you. So there's a, there's a method to the madness. Don't want to give him a short. I don't want to give him a short. I don't want to give him a short field there. <laughs> Tell you what it is. Shameful. If you had live bet plus 21, you can't lose by three touchdowns. You dogs. This is what you brought you should, big 10 football. Back shame for. on you for the live betting young man. You should know better. Shame you make on a play. That's what it is. You make your plays pregame. I think live betting is for the well, I had you Alabama. Make, I had them to win money line. I had them on the, the spread. You just got to make sure. Those are your plays. You just got to make That's sure. That's old school. That's what I am. I am the old reporter. 76. I, I couldn't believe it. At least, if that point, score 100. Shove my face in it. You don't score neither team well, for 13 why, why more minutes. Why would you think of betting the under in a game like that? When you know Alabama's going to score a ton and Ohio State's got to score a ton to keep up with them, why would you bet the under? What were you possibly thinking? 75 is a lot of points. This team puts up 50 a game. Yeah. Yeah. But part of me also thought Ohio State would have a similar performance to what they did. Actually, they hit a perfect number, 24. That's great in the wheelhouse. I just needed one more stop. And actually, who screwed it over? when I knew we were toast was when Mac Jones fumbled, as you mentioned, Shortens gave it right back to Ohio state and they scored right away. I said, that's it. Quick touchdown. That's it. It's 14, Quick 14. That's too many points. Even if Alabama scores again there, at least you're not trading, giving away extra possessions. Once he fumbled, that was it. Let's take a quick break to pay the bills. He's Al Renato. I'm John Lund. We'll be right back with the new report, old report here on Sports Radio America. We welcome you back. I'm John Lund. He's Al Renato, and this is the new report, old report. Anyway, we'll get off college football and go to what everyone is, I'm sure, enthralled about, as always, the National Football League, which settled its wild card debts last week. The six pack. A six pack. I enjoyed the six pack, the three so games back to back to back. So did I. I finally didn't feel like sick of football. You know, some Sundays you get no, to the I, Sunday I, night I, football I, games. I, like, so, oh some God. Sundays. Some Sundays because some of the games are so bad. You know, I'm a you know, Jets, Giants in this market. Some of the games are so hideous to watch, they're unwatchable. I mean, you know, you get a dog some night on, on Sunday nights. But you know, the, the team that really. I don't want to say surprised me, but gave me so much more than I expected was the Washington football team. I got a kick out of the kid quarterback. He made some fabulous plays. The touchdown he ran for when he dove for the flag, that's an all-time play. That's a fat. Not only did he get out of harm's way, not only did he scramble the first down for the first down, but on, t- on top of things, cheering on the Sunday, he makes the headlong dive for the flag. That's an all-timer, and the game's a long game. They hung tough. They almost pulled a rabbit out of the hat there. God bless him. I was so happy and so proud of that kid, the way he played. Well, you know what let them down, surprisingly, in that game, is you could look at what was going to happen with Tyler Henneke and say, well, obviously, he's going to be the reason why Washington can't stick around with the pay- the, the Bucks. Sorry, Tom. The Bucks. It was the defense, Al. No, they couldn't get to they, Tom they Brady to save right. their life. And we right. said, oh, maybe that's going to be what forces their offense to run into some trouble with that front line. Not. 
They did not, nothing, and that that really surprised me. He had all the time I was in the world. Texting back and forth with the great Nick Wright during that game, and he's been criticizing Brady all year. And I texted him. I said, "The the, the old man, you know, I, I know that I said I'm paraphrasing what I said. Was, I know they're loaded, which they are offensively, but the old man can still pick you apart with the best of them, and that's exactly what he did." He picked him apart. He had time. And when you give him time for that intermediate stuff, and he's got the talented receivers who can run underneath, in space, get hit and stride, and he's got time to find them, he can. He may not be throwing it 40 yards down the field on a rope. He may not be going deep constantly. He may not be going outside the numbers for 40 yards, you know, those throws across the field. But, man, that stuff in the middle of the field, he can still just bleed you to death, bleed you to death. And he did it pretty much all evening, but Washington hung in there. They, they kept, they kept it a game. They kept coming back. They just could not get the stops when they needed to. They couldn't get Brady and company off the field when they had to. And uh, to his credit, you know, he, he, he may not, be my greatest quarterback of all time, but he's still a damn good quarterback. He's an all-time great, and he's still damn good, especially when you don't hit him. When he can stand back there, he's still pretty damn good because he's so accurate. And like I said, he's got the he's got the guys to work with that are excellent route runners, um, and. His offensive line did a great job against a big-time ballyhooed, which we raved about, and rightfully so, young, strong, deep defensive line. Uh, they barely touched him. And uh, that was the difference in the game to me. The surprising difference, at least to do something, get a couple sacks. I don't even know if they sacked him, to be honest with you. I don't think they did. The surprise game or potential surprise game, one we told you all to keep an eye on, was the first game that Saturday, speaking of Saturday games, with the Colts and the Bills. The Bills were projected to go in and have their high-flying offense handle Indianapolis, and we said, you know, if there's a quarterback that could dethrone Buffalo some way, somehow, it'd be old slinging Phil Rivers. And damn it, did he come close. Here we go again, Al. The fourth quarter clock is winding down. Phil Rivers needs a touchdown or a field goal to tie. Just a field Ball goal, in hand. Just Here a we field go. goal. Can you get him close? They get handed the gift of all gifts, where his player clearly fumbles the football. Clear as day. <laughs> and for whatever reason, under replay, they don't have the balls to say that it was a fumble. The Colts keep the football some way, somehow. And then in typical former San Diego chargers, Phil rivers fashion after that gift of a play, what do the Colts do? Loss of one incomplete, incomplete, incomplete game over. And the last of the incompletions was what would have had to be a hail Mary from the 30 plus yard line and Phil Rivers decided to take the snap and take about a 20-foot drop 
before he tried to fling it into the end zone. I'm not sure why they didn't bring in Jacoby Brissett, who has a stronger arm to reach the end zone, nor why Phil didn't roll out and at least get a running start toward the end zone before throwing it instead of Patrick Mahomes backpedaling back shoulder throw to the end zone. You don't have the arm like you did 10 years ago, Phil. A little curious, but hooray for the Bills finally getting that win in the postseason, not having the typical Bills loss, which we were on the precipice of, Al. This was the perfect storm for what we said could happen because the Colts the score mafia, cut it to 27-24. Here we go. The mafia, with the mafia was concerned. The Bills need a first down. They just need to run the clock out. It's first and 10 at the Indy 34 with three minutes and 50 seconds remaining. And the quarterback of the Buffalo Bills, Josh Allen, takes a 17-yard sack putting it back to second and 33 at the Buffalo 43 sweet mother of mercy. What are you doing there? You can't take that sack. And he does, which guarantees the Colts to get the ball back. It set the drama in motion, but unfortunately for Colts fans, it didn't happen. Fortunately for bills fans, it did. And they survive a much needed game. In those circumstances for them. The kid, the kid missed the short field goal, felt bad for him. Some of the decisions the Colts made were inexcusable. Going forward on fourth downs, kicking the field goals. I don't understand this. And I know we like to play armchair quarterback as well. Until we get fans. to the Pittsburgh game. Exactly. Everybody does. But there were some plays this wild card weekend where you just can't make it up. You you wonder who is paying these people to make these decisions. Number one, overall for the weekend, I don't think there was one good challenge called out of the six or so that were put, the flags were thrown onto the field. Not even close to having some of these overturned. And these coaches are challenging it. Don't you have a guy on your staff that's in touch with the replay people that can tell you right away whether or not it's close. Some of these aren't, there's not even a prayer. You have to hope that somebody switches the tape out with the replay official in order to get these overturned. You're just pissing your time out away that I don't understand. Then the decisions on short fields, fourth and ones, fourth and twos, whatever it may be. When your defense hasn't a prayer in the world to stop the offense, they have an all game and these coaches still think, yeah, we'll punt it. What are you doing? Why is it just us or people on TV or people on Twitter, just ripping these coaches of why did you make this decision? Once again, don't you have people surrounding you on staff that could say, Hey coach, we've been garbage on defense or we need to keep up with this team. We better not punt it away on fourth and short. We got to take our chances because if we punt it away, the the game's over. The Tomlin decision is, I mean, mind-boggling. They are dead in the water. They're down 28-0. They're totally dominated. Big Ben, as I said, is throwing the ball to the other team nonstop. And slowly but surely, They're climbing back into the game. They put a couple touchdowns back to back, and they are within 12 points. I'm trying to remember because they went for two a couple of times. I believe it was 
was it 35-23? There was a field goal in there. They were down 12. Right. Um, I lose the exact numbers because of the missed two-point conversions. That screws up my totals. But the point is, they've got a, the Browns' defense is on the field for about three consecutive weeks. They're gassed. Every time they show you know, Miles, he's panting. He's so tired because he's, he's rushing the passer on every play. They're out there the entire quarter. They give up two touchdowns. And lo and behold, they got the bat, ball back. They're on the move. And it's fourth and one at, at, at about, I'm guessing, but I'm saying you're on the Browns 45, maybe inside a couple of yards. And they punt. I mean, if you're a Browns fan, you are just dancing in the aisles. The last thing you want to do is play another down on defense. Because if they get that first down, they're going in for a touchdown. No doubt about it. So it's 35-10. Then Pittsburgh scores. It's 35-16. Then Cleveland goes three and out. Pittsburgh scores. 35-23. Cleveland goes three and out in a minute and 27 seconds. So remember, your defense is on the field nonstop. They have no rest. The only rest came when the quarter ended. It's third and eight at the 39. Little pass to Juju for seven yards. The quarter ends. So you have time to even come up with something now. Right. I remember it was the end of the quarter. Fourth and one at the Pittsburgh 46. 40. Okay. They're in, inside their own team. They go in a punt formation, my take mistake. the delay a game, move back five yards. Yeah, and punt you, you got to go for that. Six plays later, Cleveland scores. It's 42-23. The game's over. Mike Tomlin, after the game, says he thought he could keep the momentum by playing field position. When in God's good name has playing field position given a team momentum when you had the momentum on offense, the true momentum scoring touchdowns with long successful drives and then forcing three and outs on defense. That's momentum. So now you're telling your offense, eh, we don't believe in you and you're sending your defense back out which was down 28 nothing after the first quarter. Granted, one of the touchdowns was because of a Peyton Manning Super Bowl-esque snap into the end zone. But the three other touchdowns were on the defense. Granted, again, interceptions from Big Ben, who played horrendously on that regard. But the defense wasn't the Steelers that we've seen in some games this season. They've lost a couple of their guys that that's no longer possible. Oh, more than a couple, more than a couple. Don't guys. trust that defense, Mike. You got a damn yard to get. And the Cleveland defense is totally and completely. They are so worn out. They've been on the field for the entire quarter, three and outs on the offensive end. They are sucking wind. And at Keep that point in the, the game, when you given up 35 points in three quarters and you were down 28, nothing you're playing with house money at that point. Why not give it a shot? Keep the pressure on. What do you got to lose? Put the hammer down. You got every, and for every, anything in your playbook, run whatever you want. There's no, everybody run, everybody throws the ball fourth one anyway. So you can do whatever you want. We're not going to give you a hard time for whatever you call. Right. Just don't. And I understand you're not playing to us. You're not playing to 
you know, well, if I go for this and don't get it, they're really that way, then the last thing you do is punt. Because that's the decision that's going to be questioned the most, is punting. I'm, I'm just very – I like Tom. Tom takes a lot of heat. Um, he makes some decisions I'm not crazy about. I'm never crazy about the way his team conducts themselves. I think they're dirty. They've always been dirty. I don't think he coaches it. I just think it's the nature. I think it's in the mindset of the Pittsburgh Steelers. They've been a dirty team. They were a dirty team under Bill Cowher. And they've been a dirty team under Mike Tomlin. But I like Tomlin. I think Tomlin's a good guy. I think Tomlin will be great in the booth when the time comes, uh, if it does, or in the studio. But I was shocked, absolutely flabbergasted, especially considering the way they were moving the ball, especially considering the fact that they had the Browns Totally, totally and completely, I don't say helpless, but at that, at that stage of the proceedings, the Browns were in big trouble defense. They you you got to read heels. the room. You got to read the room in that situation. And, and he's it, been there not, so many times. What are you looking you, around at? You've got this quarterback, obviously, who is, you know, a, a veteran for the ages. You don't have the confidence in him to say, go get the fourth and one. Right. And, you know, if you don't stop, you don't stop. If you don't get it, you don't get it. Game's not over there either. There's still pressure on the Browns to have to do something. That, I, I think, I just, gave I still, them the I momentum still, they needed. The I Browns. still can't believe he didn't go for it. No, it, it made zero sense in that situation. You have so to you have read a, the room. So the Browns pull off a, literally a shocker without their coach. It was with Alex Van Pelt calling the play to win like that I, was a shocker. I thought to his credit, I thought Baker Mayfield played a very mature, solid, mistake free game. He did everything that was necessary to lead his team to victory. He kept the momentum. He made the big throws when he had to, he didn't force the ball. Scrambled when had when he when he had to, ran for a couple of big first downs, made some really good throws in key third down spots. I thought he played. I, I thought this was his shining moment. Absolutely, on the stage in Pittsburgh, against a team that has beaten you for the entire time. Ben Roethlisberger's been there. The bright lights are on you. You don't have your head coach. What are you going to look like for him to do what he did in that scenario? Was what Browns fans have been hoping for since he came to the team. Sports media has said, well, you want to talk the talk, walk the walk. And he did. It was incredible how he performed and kept it going. You're up 28, nothing in the first quarter. You can start getting cute, trying to force the ball, maybe do things that go against what you should be doing. And they stayed the course and dropped 48 points against the Steelers. Let's take a quick break to pay the bills. He's Al Renato. I'm John Lund. We'll be right back with the new report, old report here on Sports Radio America. We welcome you back. I'm John Lund. He's Al Renato, and this is the new report, old report. Away from your Browns to your actual Baltimore Ravens, who had another my example Browns. of my, they're my Browns. <laughs> your old Browns. My Browns are in Baltimore. These are your Browns, the are Baltimore Ravens, who had These another example Browns. of, 
I can't believe this team is punting. And that came happy, in the fourth quarter. Oh, absolutely. Happy they did. Fourth Dancing quarter. In the aisles. 17-13. The Titans have been flummoxed to maybe quote Christopher Mad Dog Russo in the running game. Derrick Henry hasn't done much. My kicker, the all-time greatest kicker in the history of sport, has actually just missed a chippy field goal for him of 52 yards. Talk about momentum that the Titans now have. straight as a string because it was on the far walls. So it wound up about two inches outside the, the, uh, the upright. So they take over with good field position at the 42, and you can tell the rest. Well, this, this goes to show you how sometimes you maybe read the room not in the best of ways. Because Derrick Henry is been held in check for most of the game, no question. I mean, probably the best he's been held in check all season, if you think about it. Finally, a team that knows Derrick Henry is going to run the football down your throat and decides to stop it and makes you beat you with something else. Imagine the possibilities. So it's first and 10 at the Baltimore 48. He runs for eight yards. Second and two, Tannehill throws a pass. Incomplete to A.J. Brown. Okay. Third and two. Tannehill throws a pass. Incomplete. Johnny Smith. Curiouser and curiouser that they're not going to their bread and butter of handing that man the football. Fourth and two at the 40. You think now they're going to at least put it in his hands. Best case scenario, he gets it. Worst case scenario, you live with them stopping the best running back in the National Football League. Mike Vrabel punts the football. Still can't believe it. Not, not only punts the football, the punter punted it 25 yards for a fair catch at the 15. What in God's name are you doing? Now, he'll argue that there were 10 minutes left in the game, blah, 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 defense. Like they have some devout defense that's going to be relied upon. Thankfully for your Ravens, they marched down the football field, pissing away a much needed time. Justin Tucker, hashtag redemption story, puts them up by seven. You get the obligatory Ryan Tannehill finally throws his interception, ball game. But that punt was the turning point. Again, yelling at the TV, why aren't you going for it? I don't understand. Look, a multitude of options. The tight end, been successful. You've got the big guy. Obviously, you got Brown, who at least in the first quarter of that game, obliterated my best defensive player. Uh, but then wasn't hurt much after that. Humphrey pretty much shut him down. Early on, he got manhandled. Their tackling was terrific. The defensive line and scheme set up by Wink Martindale was fabulous. They said, Tannehill's going to have to beat us. Uh, they didn't get a lot of pressure on him early. They got some late. And they basically took the approach that he's going to have to beat us down the field. They did a good job in coverage. And they just were not going to let him eliminate that game. The Ravens are very big in the middle. The big guys are all back and pretty much healthy. This was a wonderful defensive effort. The defense won the game along with the running game, which, look, the, the running game dominated the clock. It dominated the ball. That also helped stop Henry. It kept him off the field. And it wasn't 
big chunks from the running backs. It was solid stuff. They pounded, they pounded, they pounded, then boom, Lamar hit you with a big play. They pound, they pound, they pound, Lamar hit you with a big play. More with his legs, but you're also seeing a little bit better development in the relationship between Lamar Jackson and downtown Brown, who now finally looks completely healthy. Remember last year in the postseason, he had the ankle. He was not healthy. He is fully healthy and looking like he's beginning to be his go-to guy. And that's important because Mark Andrews has been his go-to guy. It's great to have two. He's showing more and more confidence in Brown. Remember that miserable game against the Browns where he dropped three balls until the end. And he showed the confidence to go, yeah, he was wide open. He still got to catch it. Caught the touchdown pass. He's been a different player since. So they're getting a little more imaginative on offense. And obviously, with the exception of the losses of two season-ending injuries to Stanley and Bull, they're about as healthy as they've been all year. So they are going to be a load for the Bills. Absolutely. Especially with the way that defense looked. A hell of a game. Uh, Josh Allen will pose problems because he's got a much better arm than Tannehill. He can make throws on the run that Tannehill can't make. They will have to control the super-duper wide receiver and make sure that he does not beat them. If that is done, I think the Ravens will win the game. Again, Lamar must take care of the football. If Lamar takes care of the football and they don't get taken apart by Allen's ability to, and ironically, you know, when it's on the other side of the ball, not Lamar, where you talk about the other quarterback and what he can do with his, you know, to, to lengthen, to extend plays and find a wide receiver who just, I, I knew he was good, but he's had a year for the ages. And if they are not dominated in that fashion, I'll be surprised if the Ravens don't win because I think they can control it with their run. I think they'll hit some big plays. I think they'll score. Depending on how much they control the ball in terms of the length of their drives on the clock, if they score a little quicker, I think they'll hit 30. And it'll be interesting defensively because it'll be almost the opposite game plan for what you needed to do against the Titans, stopping Derrick Henry, which they did just 40 yards rushing. Now it'll be stop Josh Allen because the Bills run game. I think they're down Zach Moss now. He's out for the rest of the postseason. They'll try to figure out what they're going to do in the running game. But now you say, all right, we have to find out how to stop Josh Allen and find out how to stop Stephon Diggs. Not easy tasks, but it'll be a great matchup. The Ravens have two very good cover corners in Humphrey and Peters. I think they're going to look to put as much pressure as possible on Allen and keep him in the pocket. And that's got to be the goal to not let him get outside, keep him in the pocket and make him throw the ball before he wants. To. We'll just say for the other remaining games, we didn't really get to a shameful loss for the Seattle Seahawks. Losing Kudos to, to you partner. You have been on the Rams shameful. from preseason when you picked them for the playoffs. The hard knocks pick thought, of the season. I thought the Rams would be a seven and nine team. I I don't know how to say it was surprising without not giving the Rams credit, but to start John Wolford seemingly willingly, if you're Sean McVay, because 
we saw that Jared Goff at least could stand under center. Clearly the thumb was a detractor because he could barely throw the football accurately. Not like he can throw it great in normal times, but something was amiss with the thumb. Wolford goes down. You bring in a guy who just had thumb surgery less than two weeks ago. Aaron Donald goes down on the defensive end. You only put up 20 points. My guy, Cooper cup goes down. The, the, still the best Cooper the cup. Everyone just drops for Los Angeles. And yes, they did have the defensive touchdown, which was the game changer. And we talked about it, that it would be for a game like that. If a defense could get that and especially score points with the turnover, if it's going to be one of those field goal games, it's curtains, but just a shameful loss for the Seattle Seahawks. I don't know where you go from here with Pete Carroll. I don't know what you're expecting to get. I think this is just who he is. And if you're okay with that and getting to the playoffs every year and then having a stupid loss. Okay. Well, look, they're not a championship team. No, no, they're not. They, they, they have a borderline great quarterback who started the season like an MVP and finished the season like, you know, a middling quarterback. Maybe it's the OC's fault. They fired his ass. Maybe they'll bring in someone who will right the ship. I I don't know. The Seahawks have played the same football game for a decade. They've been the same football team. Once the Legion of Boom left, that was it. They've been that team post Legion of Boom ever since. So shameful. Look, they don't loss. they don't they don't run it well. No. Offense suddenly is unable to move the football. And the Rams have got their number in terms of they really inability, do. the inability to protect Russell Wilson. Now, great, the, look, the Rams are the best defensive player in football. Easy force of one. But how many times they sack him? Five more times? This is a guy who is known to be able to escape Houdini-esque uh, devices. And against the Rams, they find a way to keep him under control they do not let him escape the pocket, and they don't just pressure him. They take him down. That's huge. Even with Aaron Donald out, it made no difference, which was also surprising. You would think, okay, well, maybe now they'll figure it out. Nope. No. And it's the same thing we used to see with Andrew Luck in Indianapolis. Draft every offensive lineman that's available exactly on they, the table exactly what they need to do. until there's none left on the board. So you could at least guarantee you're going to protect your quarterback and then fill in the pieces around it. A shameful loss. A shameful loss for the Chicago Bears against the Saints. We figured the Saints would win. Team but, that didn't belong. Team that didn't belong. Team that didn't belong. Yeah, you, exactly. You want to talk about the Redskins. We'll get at one of these shows. The Washington football team. I should be the one that gets WFT correct since I'm a little bit younger on the show, but it's still difficult. Washington was the team everybody said didn't belong. They're seven and nine. Well, the real team that didn't belong was clearly the Chicago Bears. I was surprised they didn't try the Houdini switch going to Nick Foles, maybe try to find that magic in the second half. They stuck with Mitch Trubisky and they got stuck with nine points. But he did win the Nickelodeon Most Valuable Player Award if you were watching it on that channel. So shout out to Mitch. At least he got something to take home with him. A little goodie bag on the way out the door. <laughs> All right. Let's see who we got. 
I have a bracket in front of me and I'm just going to read it like we're in the national or the, we're just going to read it like we're in the NCAA tournament. Your former Browns against the Kansas city chiefs. I think we're both going to go in the same direction here, but I think this won't be as decisive as it would have been earlier in the season because it does appear like the Browns are finding their footing at the perfect time. And it surprisingly has come pretty much as soon as Odell Beckham jr. Unfortunately, it's not surprisingly season. to me, not surprisingly <laughs> to me. Let's you right into it. The addition by subtraction continues. The Browns, if they can run the football, the way they did against the Steelers, they have a legitimate chance. If Nick Chubb and the former chief, who was running like a Brahma bull the other night against the Steelers, I mean, he blew guys up. He was at another speed than the Pittsburgh defenders. He hit them and they went backwards every time. If Kareem, if the two headed monster, of Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt can be successful against the chefs. I actually believe the Browns have a real chance in this game. I agree. The spread is we'll 10. Know, we'll, we'll know. We'll know early. The spread is 10, which I think is Maybe we will know very. Lot. We will know very early. We will. If the Browns get stuffed on their first few possessions and are a- unable to run the football, um, and it's you know seventeen to three or fourteen to nothing, you turn your sets off. Well, it could potentially get close late, but we would have to see an incredible performance from Baker Mayfield to have that happen the coming from behind type of performance. Well, remember they, they, you know, five turnovers. Right. And they were in a position where they were looking like they were having to hang on. Now, sooner or later, the turnovers become too much defense on the field too long. Only so much you can overcome. And that was basically what transpired. Best case scenario is really he has the to Kansas city chiefs are going to turn it over five times. No, I think the best case scenario for Cleveland is the chiefs do what they've been doing. And we've screamed about it on this show, screwing around when they have a lead late in the game, keeping teams in it, putzing around, not putting their foot down on the neck as this phrase goes in sports where if they get ahead early and like you said, 17, 13, 14, nothing, you start thinking, Oh boy, this is out of hand. But if they're up a couple touchdowns in the second half and they start getting cute and Cleveland's defense finally makes a play. Now, exactly. we're, now we're talking. Exactly. I mean, on paper, you obviously say the chiefs, there's no question about it, but we've seen them this season screw around late in games. A lot of people have said, well, that's because the games don't really matter. It's regular now, season. As far as I know, they should be. Yeah. Everybody should That's be back. Huge too. The coach is back. So, and yeah, they, did, hey. they didn't have Ward who's their best quarterback. Right. Yeah, that, that would be, a, you know, they would have no chance against the Chiefs for that. And the coach would be rested. So I love that going for him. That'll be the first game on Sunday. The last game on Saturday is your Ravens and bills, which we touched on. 
The first game Saturday before that will be the Rams at Green Bay. I have a hard time not taking the Packers here. And in typical Green Bay at Lambeau playoff fashion, the spread is right where it's been for our entire my entire lifetime. Really, Brett Favre, Aaron Rodgers, six and a half. Six and a half, as usual. I don't see the Rams getting as lucky as they did against the Seahawks. I think it'll be a battle for Aaron Rodgers with that defense. But in Lambeau and still with quarterback questions, I'm assuming John Walford can't play after he got that next stinger. Jared Goff's thumb is going to be cold. Cold after that surgery. Just miserable. It'll be 30 degrees. His thumb is going to be screaming. So I don't know if he's going to be able to throw the football. They make him throw it, which they should. Green Bay's defense isn't going to break any records, certainly. But if they do enough to have him throw the football, I'll take Aaron Rodgers in that situation to win the game. This game is about Cam Akers. Yeah. That's what it will revolve around. Cam Akers and the Ram offensive line must keep Aaron Rodgers and the Packers offense off the field. It's as simple as that. That, to me, is the only way the Rams can win this game. You cannot let Aaron Rodgers on the football field. You must keep him on. Steal his shoes. Take his <laughs> uniform. Can't find his helmet. Can't let him go out there. You must minimize the length of time that he's on. Bro, must. Danica and Olivia Munn in the press box try to distract him. Do some, do, 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 some state, do some State Farm commercials. <laughs> Shake some State Farm out there with the golf clubs, or with the dogs. You, you must do everything you can to dominate this game with your running offense and your, I believe, outstanding rookie running. Loved Cam Akers in the draft. Thought he was a diamond in the rough. Went in the second round, I believe. Thought he was a great pick by the Rams. He's big. He's fast. He's strong. He's durable. And he's running hungry. I always worry about Green Bay's defense. Absolutely. If he stays on the field and keeps Aaron Rodgers off of it, absolutely. It's a perfect case scenario. And if you have the same thing happen where your defense either gets an interception or a fumble or can score from it, oh, baby. And remember, the Packers have been scoring early and often. They've been putting teams away quickly. What's going to happen if this game gets into its body gets into its heart and soul and it's 10 to 7, 13 to 10, 17 to 13. See what happens. Pressure's on the Packers here. All on the Packers. All on Rodgers. Absolutely. And it's not a guarantee that they're going to roll a home playoff game. You know, this is found money You know, for the Rams. It's not like a couple of years ago where they rolled everybody, best team, et cetera, et cetera. They are in here with a free pass. Nobody's going to give them a hard time if they get smoked by the Packers. Absolutely. And a good way to close out the evening, surprisingly, they're having this Buccaneers and Saints game be played at 640, thankfully, after the first game kind of wraps up. We don't have to sit around till 8 and have it end at midnight. 
well, you you want to be, the old men want to be able to, want to, be able to get right. the early bird special. Chris Russo <laughs> is going to be ecstatic on Monday. That'll be able to stay up for this game, a game which we've obviously wished we could have seen at some point in a Super Bowl. Shame on you, Drew this, Brees. This good, 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 good enough. This good enough for me. This will do. I hope it's not the Pacquiao Floyd Mayweather. We needed this ten years ago type game, but the way Tom Brady and Drew Brees has still continued to play. I think this will definitely fit the bill. It should be exciting with the saints defense going up against Tom Brady and trying to figure him out. Unfortunately for the saints, they can't pack the Superdome like they would like to in normal times. Thank goodness. I hate that place. Who doesn't? If you're not, a saints I hate fan. that dump. I'll tell you what I'm surprisingly going to go against some earlier predictions that we've made on the show. The ones I've made have sided with the saints being the team right behind the Packers all season. I might have to hearken back to the old AFC East saying of, let me see it. Let me see Tom Brady lose first. Until I, I, hate can go sound, against it. I hate to sound like the old report, but I'm going to beat the dead horse because I have this entire program. Leonard Fournette, Alvin Kamara. Who's going to run it better? Who's going to open it up more for their quarterback? Which old guy will be able to throw off a play action more? I actually think Brady's got the strong around him. I think Brady's arm is in better shape than Brady's. Oh, absolutely. I think I'd Brady's got that. more zip on the ball. I think Brady's got the ability to go deep against far more than Breeze does against Tampa, but remains to be seen. Um, I don't like how difficult the time they were given by the Washington football team. So I am going to go uh, 30 21 30 23 Saints I like it it's going to be hopefully quite the game and as you mentioned the running game will be interesting for the Bucks because Ronald Jones to a lot of people's surprise didn't play last week he wasn't on the injury report a couple minutes before the game yeah his quad hurts he's not going to play well that's great for the people that were doing those fantasy playoff bracket deals where you pick the team and you pick the player and however far he goes, you keep getting the point. Nobody knew. So that was nicely hid. He didn't practice as of Wednesday. LaShawn McCoy didn't play last week. He'll be back. So we'll see if the Bucks running game will be at full strength, even though it wasn't with Leonard Fournette, he stepped up when they needed him to. And I agree with you that that will probably be what decides the game while people will hope that it's decided by Brady and breeze. It ain't 15 years ago, but it should be exciting and a great way to end the divisional round quickly. We have to hit on what the NBA deems a blockbuster deal. Whenever big names move in sports, it's a blockbuster trade, a blockbuster move. James Harden, who yesterday addressed the media on Tuesday saying to the media that he doesn't know what else he can do. He loves the city of Houston, but 
he just can't fix it. He's not sure what to do next. And he just left the press conference. So not a great forewarning for Rockets fans. It was incredibly strange to hear after a season so far where James Harden has come and go as he pleased. He looks heavy set now. Heavy set? Heavy set. <laughs> and uh, it, hasn't like been a great, village. <laughs> it hasn't been a great start to the season. Well, we got our answers to some of the questions. Exactly. And Can he was traded. traded got your Nets. wish. Got your set. You came in into camp. You came, When you finally came in, you came in fat, out of shape. As usual, can't guard a statue. Threw your teammates under the bus. Played like you were playing pickup ball. Like you were playing street ball. It's an embarrassment. Absolute embarrassment. So you wanted to go to New Jersey, you get your fat ass traded to New Jersey where you'll guard nobody up there. Right? You'll decide who's going to dribble the ball per possession, you or Kyrie, if Kyrie ever comes back. Maybe you'll get to a conference final. Maybe. I doubt it, but you might. They'll be fun to watch because they'll score a lot with or without Kyrie because they have – he certainly looks healthy, and if he stays healthy, he's the second-best player in the world. Worst-case scenario, I thought Kevin Durant had passed LeBron James before he got hurt. They've got a brilliant player, an all-time player, and now they've got you know a fat scoring machine who will play his way into shape if he's up to it. And you know the, the NBA question mark that is Kyrie Irving. And they got a cool guy running the show. That's the thing that I think works out most to their benefit. It's not a guy with a pith helmet and a whip. It's a guy who they respect. It's a cool dude. It's a guy who's relaxed. It's a guy who never looks like he gets you know, too upset over things. It's a guy who sometimes might not know where the hell one and or two of his players are before a basketball game. He doesn't seem to get too bothered by anything. You're st- I think it helps that you're Steve Nash. It's as good a guy to have to deal with this as you could have in terms of personality. Yes, a rookie coach, but Steve Nash, I don't think he's going to lose any sleep at night. We know about 24-7 guys who just can't stop. It's a disease. It's infectious. It's in their blood. Steve Nash is going to coach. This is what Steve Nash is doing for the next thing in his career. We'll do it as long as he wants to do it. Reminds me a little bit, a little bit of Steve Kerr. Great player, decent player, but the same kind of intellect, the same kind of atmosphere, the same kind of respect from the, from the players. Uh, I think it's a really good fit the best you can possibly have for what is now potentially a service. I think what helps you said it is the players will at least respect him. At least you would assume they would. And that'll be the biggest hurdle they can get over. What somewhat surprises me is Kevin Durant's decision in all of this from afar telling Steph Curry and Dre and Clay Thompson. It's been nice knowing you. I'm heading where I want to the Nets and I'm bringing who I want with me in Kyrie. And now I want James Harden, my old teammate. Their careers are nowhere where they were when they were with the Thunder, obviously. 
and you look at where they've come from, where they are now, who they are as people on and off the floor, on the floor, this is a video game big three lineup. Off the floor, have at it. Good luck. Going to be incredibly interesting. It will be incredibly interesting. It's either going to be the team to beat in the East or it's going to fill up the New York tabloids like they can only dream about. I think Milwaukee's the team to beat the East still. And these guys are going to be a work in progress throughout the season. And their goal is going to be to peak come the postseason. Time will tell. Time will tell. We got a great football weekend ahead, at least. Fingers crossed for at least your favorite team and for my bets. Al, it's always a pleasure. We'll do it again next week. Folks, for my partner, the great John Tiny Lund, I am Al Renato, a.k.a. Al from White Plains. Enjoy the football and have a great and safe sports weekend. We'll be back 8 p.m. Eastern time here on Sports Radio America. You can listen at sportsradioamerica.com and interact with the show there as well or find us on the TuneIn app by searching for Sports Radio America. You can also follow John Lund under the same handle on Twitter at London Bridge. Thanks again for listening.